series on teaching on being led by the Spirit of God. Before we continue, let's just open up and pray. Father, we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have received the promise from our Father and that you have dispatched the Holy Spirit into us, into our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you are our comforter, our guide. You lead us and you guide us into all truth. Father, we ask in Jesus' precious and mighty name that as I speak your word this afternoon, Lord, that you would be as the oracles of God. Lord, that you would open up our minds, that we would receive that which the Holy Spirit would, re would reveal to us through your holy written word. Let it be words of life, Father. We ask this of you in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for that, Father. Amen. And so we come into an, another section, basically. We've been dealing with the fact that we're comparing uh, how the Lord led the saints under the Old Covenant with this, uh, how the Lord leads the saints under the New Covenant. And we wanted to look at the difference between the two, because the two covenants are different, and the way that the Lord leads His saints or led his saints under the old covenant and the way he leads his saints under the new are different and we need to understand that there is this difference so that we don't get confused between the two covenants we don't look at how God um, led the saints under the old and then try and apply that practice under the new if it's no longer applicable um, if it is applicable then obviously we continue with that practice but if it's no longer applicable then we need to understand that so that there isn't confusion so that we do have clear guidance um, through the Word of God as to how the Holy Spirit leads His children in this uh, dispensation. For it is written in the Word of God, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And under this dispensation we are to be led by the Spirit of God. And so we're looking at how God the Father and our Lord Jesus led the saints under the Old Covenant as an example to us so that we can have a clear understanding. Um, where we are at this point in time, in this dispensation that we're in now. And we wanted to look at, we, we've identified that there are three main uh, avenues that the Lord used under the Old Covenant to lead the saints. And those three main avenues were the prophets, the Urim, and through dreams. And uh, we're going to have a look at how God led the saints under the Old Covenant through the avenue of, or through the method of prophets because our Lord put in place under the Old Covenant His prophets to lead and to guide uh, the saints so that they could get guidance from Him through the prophets. Uh, we've had a look at the fact that under the Old Covenant and under the Old Testament saints had access to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was not upon any of them. Uh, he certainly did not dwell in any of them. Um, there was there were certain people under the Old Covenant who did have encounters with the Holy Spirit, and that was the, the prophet, the king, and the priest. They were anointed by God to stand in those particular offices. Um, but the individual believer, such as uh, the, what we would call layman in the church today, had no contact with the Holy Spirit whatsoever. It had no um, way of communicating with God and, and receiving communication from God. Um, everything had to be done through either the, the king, the priest, or the prophet. And the, the primary way that God used to guide the Old Testament saints was through his prophets. 
He set them up in the church, in the church, he set them up in Israel to lead and guide his saints. And uh, we'll open up the scripture with, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9, the scripture says, Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer, for he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. And so, under the Old Covenant, even before the prophets were called prophets, uh, the, the, the title that the, the Scripture gave him was that of a seer. And that reason for that title was that the, the, this particular individual would, would be anointed by the Holy Spirit and would be able to see and know things supernaturally and see into the spirit world and also just know things supernaturally. And so they, thus they were called seers before they were called prophets. But it's one and the same individual, a seer or a prophet. Um, and that particular individual was specifically placed in Israel to give guidance to the people of Israel, to the children of Israel, um, as to what God had in, in store for them and as to what it is that they should be doing in their own lives in um, following after him. And so people would go to the prophet to find out um, what God was saying to them. And they would also go to the prophet for other for day-to-day -day things. And we're going to have a look at an account now of Saul. Saul, if you recall, the incident was um, before he became king. Uh, we're introduced to Saul. He is, uh, he's gone out with one of his father's servants, and they're looking for... Um, missing donkeys that, uh, that uh, had, had kind of gone astray and they'd been searching for some time and they hadn't been able to find them and um, Saul's servant comes up with the idea well let's go have a let's go to the seer let's go to the prophet and he can perhaps tell us where the donkeys are what what, what has happened to them and so we see even in a situation like it of, of a mundane thing of, of actually finding lost property by the, in this case the, the donkeys are lost they would go to the prophet and uh, they would then approach the prophet and, and ask him to give them the Lord's guidance in the particular situation. And we'll pick up the account in 1 Samuel chapter 9, beginning at verse 6. And he said to him, this is now Saul's uh, servant speaking to Saul. And remember, this is before Saul was made king. Uh, Saul is, has no anointing on him at this time in his life. He's just an, another citizen of Israel, just as his servant is. Um, they're not, uh, I think Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. They have no um, contact with the Holy Spirit whatsoever. But they go to the seer because they, uh, this is the, the counsel from the servant. He says, and he said to him, look now, there is in the city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? Just a, a, a comment here. So it was common practice that when you went to go to the prophet to inquire of God from the prophet, is that you would take an offering to the prophet. Um, and in this case, uh, well, 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 we'll pick it up, but the custom was that you would take an offering to the prophet. If you recall the prophet Balaam, um, 
he is always put forward in the scripture, even under the new covenant, as one who loved money and, and, and went after uh, finances. And if you have a look at his prophetic ministry, because he was a prophet of the Lord. If you go study scripture, he's, he was a prophet of the Lord. He, he went um, down the wrong road um, in that he loved um, money. And But what he did is that when you came to Balaam to inquire of Balaam for what the Lord had to say, you actually had to bring a diviner's fee. And Balaam seemed to have put in place an actual charge that he put out there. Uh, that if you came to him, this is how much you paid if you wanted to hear from God. Um, and so you can see even when he was inquiring of God, um, before he, he had fallen completely, um, he had already started going down that road because he wasn't taking offerings as in this case Samuel did. He was, you had a set fee. If you want to come and find out from me what God's got to say, well, this is the fee that you have to pay up front. But in, case, in, in Samuel's case, it's a case of whatever you could bring, that would be the offering that Samuel would accept, and then Samuel would inquire of the Lord for you. And so in this particular instance over here, Saul is saying, what do we have? In verse 8, And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. And obviously it wasn't a very big offering, but it was something. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. And then we'll pick it up again, verse 18. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, he didn't know who Samuel was at that time. He said, please tell me where is the seer's house? So back at that time, um, Saul was still referring to a prophet as a seer. Uh, where's the seer's house? In verse 19, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and will tell all that is in your heart. Verse 20. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? And so obviously in this particular instance here, the Lord had prepared this whole thing, set Samuel, um, uh, set Saul up really, because uh, remember, uh, prior to this, Israel had approached Samuel and they said they wanted a king. And uh, God said, okay. Uh, to Samuel, he said, I'll, I'll give them a king. I've raised up um, Saul. Um, and so what God does is he lets the donkeys go straying off and he then gets Saul to go looking off, going after the donkeys. And Saul lands up in, in front of Samuel, who is the prophet. And God had already told Samuel, the guy who I want to be king, he'll be coming to you and I want you to you know, um, anoint him as king. And so Samuel was expecting Saul to arrive. And uh, so Saul does. Saul is obviously completely unaware of what's going on. And then Samuel uh, gives him more input than what he expected. He finds out about the donkeys, but he finds out also that God has called him to be king of Israel. So the point is very plainly here that normal people under the old covenant, children of Israel, would go to the prophet to find out from the prophet, they called him a seer as well, um, things that they needed to have, things that they needed to be doing. And, and in this case, uh, in Saul's case, he's looking for donkeys, he goes to the seer, and they would give an offering to the prophet. So that was uh, a, um, a standard that God had put in place among the children of Israel, that if you wanted to inquire of God, you would go to the prophet and you would inquire of God. That was how God set up uh, that things should operate. 
under the Old Covenant. And if you recall, we were talking about the fact that um, the, under the Old Covenant, there were three individuals that were anointed of God, the Holy Spirit, and there was the king, the prophet, and the priest. And we said that even though the king and the priest were anointed of the Holy Spirit, they still had to go to the prophet to find guidance from the Lord. They still had to seek guidance from the prophet because the anointing that they had on them was for their own offices, for their own function. The king had an anointing on him to function as a king, um, but he didn't have the anointing on him so that he could understand what the, the Lord's counsel was, what the Lord's guidance was. He would still also have to go to the prophet in order to find out what God wanted him to do. And we pick up that uh, as an example in Scripture, an account of two of, the, of, of king, two kings in, in under, uh, the Old Testament, and that is the king of Judah and the king of Israel. And they are together, and they are wanting to decide whether to go to war with another king. And um, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and he is with um, the king of Israel. And he, he says to the king of Israel, you know, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we can inquire of from here to find out what God's counsel is? Um, because the king of Israel, which happened to be Ahab at the time, um, had a whole bunch of his prophets. And Jehoshaphat realized that these prophets were not the prophets of the Lord um, because they were false prophets. And so he says, you know, is there not still a prophet of the Lord that we can inquire by? And so we picked up the account in 1 Kings chapter 22, beginning of verse 7. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And we all know the account of Ahab. Ahab was not exactly a good king. And so um, Micaiah, being a prophet of the Lord, would have proclaimed judgment on Ahab for his lifestyle and for the way that he was leading the children of Israel. Um, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such, say such things. In verse 14, and Micaiah said, so they go and they bring Micaiah to the, stand before the two kings, Jehoshaphat of Judah and Ahab of Israel. And now Micaiah, the prophet of the Lord, is speaking. And he says, Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And so the prophets were very clear that they would only speak that which God told them. They understood the seriousness of their office. Um, and we'll have a look at a little bit later um, in the teaching, but uh, it, it was a very serious thing to say, thus saith the Lord under the old covenant. And there's a reason for that. And so Micaiah says to these two kings, he says, whatever the Lord says, that's what I'm going to speak. And we pick it up again, verse 17. He said, then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And so that was the initial counsel given to these two kings by the Lord through Micaiah the prophet. That let each of um, return to his house in peace. In other words, don't go to war on this issue. Verse 18. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Um, because don't forget... Uh, 
Ahab's prophets, his false prophets, had all been saying to him, if you go back and read the account, go up and you're going to conquer, I think it was the Philistine, I forget who they were, but you, you're going to prosper, you're going to just uh, do well, and uh, everything's going to go well for you. Um, but here comes Micaiah, and he says, no, not going to happen that way. Um, and so he says, um, but evil, verse 19, then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Okay, now the Lord, this is also a very interesting portion of Scripture because it does give us a bit, quite a bit of insight as to what takes place behind the scenes in the spirit realm. Uh, we see things in the natural. We see things taking place in, in the natural with regards to governments changing and all sorts of things taking place, political situations taking place. But everything that happens in the natural is always... Uh, first things taking place in the spirit realm before, and we have some insight. The Lord gives us some insight here. Um, so, Micaiah says, verse 19, Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by, on his right hand and on his left. An interesting point here, the host of heaven, talking about angelic beings, the angels were standing before the Lord, on his right hand and on his left. Um, and if you have a look at the picture, you'll see it. It seems to be that the, the Lord's angels are on the right hand and Satan's angels are on the left. But it be that as it may. Moving on. Um, verse 20. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? And so this is the will of the Lord, that, that Ahab should go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead. And so now the Lord's saying, how are we going to get this done? Okay, so and another spoke in that manner. So you see some angels coming forward with some ideas as to how God should do this. Okay, and then verse 21 says, Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Okay, and I believe that this is Satan because look at what happens here. Verse 22, and the Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lion spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail, go out and do so. Who's the father of lies? Satan is the father of lies. And here he says, I'll go out and I'll be a lying spirit in, all of, in the mouth of all of his prophets. Um, be that as it may, it was an angel, uh, I think it was Satan. And he goes down to, to influence Ahab's false prophets and he gives them all of these words that they should now be encouraging Ahab to go to war. Okay, and the Lord said, okay, that, that, that's going to work. You go down and you do that because he'll listen to you. Um, verse 23, it's just now Micaiah now speaking as the prophet. He says, therefore, look, the Lord has put a lion spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. Verse 26. So the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Amon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. Verse 28, But Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. So Micaiah warns him. He says, Guys, you don't go. This, this king is going to go because God has determined that he should fall at Ramoth Gilead. But I'm counseling the rest of you not to go up. As it is, they do go up and uh, 
down the line. Anyway, Ahab does fall there. But the point that we really wanted to bring across in this particular story here is the fact that even the kings who were anointed of God to stand in their offices as kings still had to go to the, the prophet of God in order to find out from God what it is that he had planned for them. And so that is exactly what had uh, transpired. And then we have a, uh, we want to know why it is possible that the prophets were able to prophesy under the old covenant with such absolute accuracy because they were always 100% accurate. There was no, um, well, this could be the word of the Lord, might not be the word of the Lord. It was always, this is, thus saith the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The reason for that is, is that prophets under the old covenant always heard the audible voice of God. Big difference to a prophet under the new covenant, prophet under the old. Prophet under the old covenant did not have the Holy Spirit residing inside of them. The Holy Spirit would come upon them because they were still spiritually dead people. And so in order for God to be able to communicate to his prophets, he had to speak to them, to them audibly because he couldn't speak to them in their spirits because he wasn't dwelling there. Um, their spirits were spiritually dead. And so they had to hear the audible voice of God. And um, we pick up a very vivid account of just exactly how that happened in uh, Samuel's early ministry as a, as a young prophet, as when he starts out, the very beginning of his prophetic ministry. Uh, we have a look at it in 1 Samuel um, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It's a very vivid account. Um, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. You recall that he... Uh, Eli was the, the, the high priest of the time and uh, Samuel had been dedicated to the Lord and Samuel had been uh, s uh, serving Eli all that time since he was a little boy. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So there weren't a lot of prophets around. And verse 2, And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and he, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, that while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. This is now Samuel answering, Here I am. Verse 9, verse 5, sorry. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, This is now uh, Eli speaking, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse 6, Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I do not call you, my son. Lie down again. Verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and shall be, if he called you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down on his place, in his place. Verse 10, Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And so 
It's very vivid. I mean, Samuel has not heard the voice of the Lord before. This is the first time he's heard it. But he hears an audible voice, and he assumes it's Eli who's, who's calling him. And three times he gets up and he goes to, most probably the, the room next door, and he says, yes, I'm, I'm here, you called me. And Eli you know, didn't quite pick it up, and he said, no, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. And he comes back three times. And then Eli, the penny drops with Eli. He said, okay, this is obviously God speaking to you. Now, Samuel, go down, lie down again. And when he does speak, then you, you answer in this manner. And so it is an audible voice that Samuel hears. Eli doesn't hear anything, okay? Only Samuel hears it. But it's an audible voice. And that is why it is so clear under the Old Covenant, those prophets heard the voice of God audibly. And because they heard the voice of God audibly, they could with 100% accuracy speak the word of the Lord. They didn't perceive it. They actually heard God speaking. Um, And it was only the prophet who heard the voice of the Lord when God spoke to them. It It wasn't a case when God spoke, everybody heard it. Only that prophet to whom the Lord was speaking would hear his voice uh, and obviously you hear it very clearly and very distinctly. Um, in Samuel's case, it was the first time. But the scripture says that he, he didn't yet know the, the voice of, of the Lord because he, it was the first time he was hearing it. And so what happened is, as the prophets grew in their ministry, they would more readily recognize the voice of the Lord and they would un, uh, respond accordingly. Um, and so he made the comment that it was only the prophet who, to whom the Lord was speaking, who would hear the voice of the Lord. No one else in the vicinity would hear the voice of the Lord. And we saw in, in Samuel and Eli's case, Eli heard nothing. Samuel heard the voice of the Lord. And we'll pick up another account in Scripture to just show us that only the prophet to whom the Lord was speaking would hear his voice. And the account is in there's a case of a, a, a prophet who is actually mightily anointed the Lord, almost like an Elijah. If you go read his, his, his prophetic ministry, it's a very short ministry. Um, but he went to Bethel, I think it was, and he destroyed the temple that the Israelites had set up there. Or not the temple, the altar that the Israelites had set up there. Um, and he prophesied, and it was, it, it was really a, a powerful anointing on him. But God had given, very, given him very specific instructions as to what he should be doing. Um, go down there, prophesy, do what I tell you to do, and go back and buy another way, and don't speak to anybody, and don't stop off to eat bread or drink uh, anything. Um, thus saith the Lord. And we'll pick up the account after this young prophet had come down from Judea and performed these mighty, this mighty miracle, the miraculous work that, that took place. Uh, you'll have to go back and read in the account to pick it up yourself. And so we'll pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 13 beginning at verse 11. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, um, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And was, if you have to say, go read the account, real powerful stuff took place. I mean, the, the, the king became leprous because the king had tried to uh, have him arrested, and uh, the king realized that, you know, that he has a real prophet of God, and he cried out to the prophet to forgive him, and so the prophet forgave him, and God healed the king. Um, so some real powerful things taking place under this young prophet's ministry. Um, and so the, the, this, the sons of this older prophet come and say, tell him, you know, all of that had taken place. 
And their father said to them, which way did he go? Now, this is the older prophet speaking. For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode on it and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. The Lord held the Old Testament prophets to great account. Very great account. I mean, look at this. This guy's a young prophet, okay? He has been fully obedient to the Lord up until this point in time. And he has, God has moved mightily through him. You go read the account. It's, it's really powerful stuff. As I say, just like a, the, the anointing of Elijah on this young prophet. And God is very specific to him as to what he must do and what he must not do. Okay? And he, he relates that to the older prophet. He said, no, I can't do this. God has spoken very specifically as to what I should do. Um, nor return by going the way you came. Verse 18. He said to him, now this is the older prophet speaking to this younger prophet. I too am a prophet, as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And then the scripture says to us in brackets, He was lying to him. Okay? Verse 19. So you have, and the prophet is gullible. He falls for what the, he falls for the lie. And God holds him to account. Very, very severely, um, if you read the account. But we'll read a little bit more. He says, uh, verse 19, So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Verse 20, Now it happened, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. This is the older prophet. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place which the Lord had said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And if you read the account, the young prophet was killed by a, a wild beast on his way back from that place. And God judged him. Very serious. Um, as I say, God held the old covenant prophets to a very high degree of an account. I think far more than under the New Covenant. Under the New Covenant, we're under the covenant of grace, and so prophets under the New Covenant get, a by, with, get by with a lot more. But I mean, here's a young prophet. He'd just gone out, started in his prophetic ministry that we see. We don't know what his prophetic ministry was like prior to this incident, because he comes on the scene and he performs these great miracles. Um, and then he's judged because he disobeys the word of the Lord. But getting back to the point of what we want to really highlight out of this passage of Scripture, here are two prophets of the Lord sitting at the same table eating together. And the word of the Lord comes to the older prophet. And the younger prophet doesn't hear anything. The older prophet says, thus says the Lord. And then recounts to the younger prophet what he just heard God say. And so the word of the Lord would be audible 
but it would only be audible to the prophet to whom the Lord was speaking. And as I said, Scripture is very plain to us that under the Old Covenant, the prophets were held to account in a very strict manner by God Almighty. And the reason for that is because they heard the audible voice of God. It was not a light thing. The prophet under the Old Covenant uh, has a, a far greater responsibility um, from that aspect of leading and guiding the children of Israel than the prophet under the New Covenant. Because under the Old Covenant, the saints had to go to the prophet to find out from them what God said. And so the prophet had to be held to a very high degree of account because God's saints were trusting in the prophet to give them exact guidance from the Lord. And so God was very, um, he spoke to his prophets audibly, as we've just uh, seen in scripture. And because he spoke audibly and because he had given them this degree of responsibility in that he sent his saints to them to find out from them uh, from the prophet what it is God was saying God treated it very seriously when the when the prophet would speak thus saith the Lord and the prophets learned very quickly to take it very seriously thus saith the Lord and so we can see why it is that God under the old covenant held those prophets to such a high degree of account for those who would presume to speak in his name um, Deuteronomy chapter 18 uh, verse t beginning in verse 20 and this is now the Lord speaking about prophets who speak presumptuously under the old covenant okay he says but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods that prophet shall die okay and if you say in your heart how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. But the point really that I wanted to uh, emphasize here, um, he who, which, uh, okay, the prophet, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. Uh, forget about speaking in uh, names of other gods, that prophet shall die. And so God was very judgmental on his prophets because they got to hear his voice clearly, audibly. They couldn't make a mistake. And so that is why God could so clearly say, any prophet who presumes to speak in my name, having said, I've told him this, you, 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 you're, you, you must kill that prophet. Under the new covenant, no, we never hear of a prophet um, who prophesies and he gets it wrong and God says, well, then that prophet must die. And, and you, you, you see some of the saints on the, in the new covenant saying, yeah, you see prophets, uh, they get it wrong, they, you know, they should be judged. No, under the new covenant is completely different. The prophets under the new covenant don't get to hear the audible voice of God, very seldom do. But we'll touch on that later on down in the teaching. But under the old covenant, they only heard the audible voice of God. And they couldn't get it wrong. And because they couldn't get it wrong, God could judge them very severely, the ones who presumed to speak in his name. And that is why he said that those prophets should, in fact, die. Um, and we will end 
the teaching on the prophets under the old covenant at this point in time on that point we'll touch we'll catch up on some other points in the next teaching but those are the main points we wanted to deal with with regards to the prophets under the old covenant and as to how they ministered how they operated in the ministry of guiding the children of israel for that was their call in jesus name time in my life that I did not know the Lord. I heard people speak about him, um, but it didn't make any sense to me. It was just something that I, I thought that people did. People went to church. It was, that was what they did. It was not something that I did. And then I met some people um, who were Christians and they befriended me and I got to know them a bit. And one of them gave me a book to read that they felt that I should read. And out of basically just trying to be polite, I said to them, okay, I'll, I'll read that book. And I, I took the book with me to work one day. And it was during my lunch hour and um, I decided, okay, I better read this book. I said to the person, I promised them that I would. And so I, I, I sat back, I was in an office by myself, and I began to read the book. And the book was about a young man who had grown up as a, a Roman Catholic. And I suppose that's why the book was given to me, because I had also grown up as a Roman Catholic. And, um, but I'd never heard the gospel preached. Nobody had ever told me about salvation through Jesus Christ. And... As I began to read this book, what this young man experienced in his life when he gave his heart to the Lord um, just seemed so real. And there were other friends in, the, in this book who had also grown up with him and they had gotten together after a number of years, uh, had been separated, gone their separate ways. And they subsequently found out that each one of them had given their hearts to the Lord Jesus. And there was just something that was so real about that particular thing that these guys were expressing. And I remember this so vividly. This happened to me in that I sat back in my chair and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, Lord, if this is real, then I want it. Now what I expected to do after having said that was to lean forward again and to begin reading the book. I no more expected what happened to me as being the next person to, to walk on the moon. As I said those words, Lord, if this is real, then I want it. An absolute power fell on top of me. I got such a fright, I burst into tears. I knew that that instant that I was born again, that which I was reading about in this book had happened to me. I had become born again. I had given my heart to the Lord Jesus. And I changed completely. My life changed overnight. Um, I'm not going to go into any detail about that, but I, I was saved. I, I, in tears, I remember looking up into, 
into the ceiling and just saying, Lord, this, this is real. Heaven is real. Um, I had before that time thought that heaven was a fairy tale that people you could speak about. It was not something that was anything that, that made any sense to me. But at that instant, everything made sense. I was born again. I, my life changed. And I have been His ever since. And if you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus, I would encourage you to do that right now. I would encourage you to close your eyes and I will pray with you now. And as I pray, you pray with me and you give your heart to the Lord Jesus and you find out for yourself just how real He is. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, your word declares that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth you as Lord Jesus, and we believe that God our Father has raised you from the dead, that we will be saved. Lord Jesus, I believe that God our Father has raised you from the dead. I confess you now as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you now, Lord Jesus, that I am saved. Thank you, my Lord. You are saved. You have changed. You will see that change. You will know the change within you straight away. And you will see that change taking place in your life over the years to come. I would encourage you now to get involved in a church, a church where they will teach you the, the Bible and teach you the truth of God's Word, where they will teach you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. For this is another experience that is part of the, the, the Christian walk. And I encourage you to read your Bible every day and to spend time in prayer and to fellowship with God and fellowship with His children and to grow in the things of God. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue in your walk with the Lord Jesus. Amen.